We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, Jorge, do you know what our cosmic address is? Yeah, it's a one universe lane, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's where you can send us all your gifts of presents and bananas. <laughs> I mean, that's how the aliens know where to find us, right? That's true, but I actually don't need a lot of bananas delivered in the mail, so let's not encourage people to send us any fresh fruit. <laughs> no, no, I think I know what you mean. Like our address, like in the universe, like if we're here on Earth, around our star about halfway down the Milky Way. Yeah, that's enough to get your mail delivered to your house, but like, what about the rest of our cosmic context? Mm, I mean, like, what's the equivalent of our city or zip code? Yeah, and it turns out that we're part of a cluster called the local group. Sounds local. <laughs> and then zooming out a little bit, we're in the suburbs of an even bigger cluster called Virgo. Mm. And then part of a super cluster of 100,000 galaxies called Lenakia. Wow. And then? You know, that's actually about as far as we've mapped. Wait, we don't know where we live exactly in the universe? We don't know. So if you want to order alien bananas, you just got to put a question mark. Get to throw up a flare. Jorge, I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist and I don't like earth bananas, but I'd be willing to try alien bananas. Oh, really? Oh, how do you know they're not going to be worse? <laughs> you don't know, but that's the joy of exploration. I want to land on a new planet to see the new kinds of life, the new kinds of animals and critters, and taste any new potentially delicious fruits. Well, you're welcome to be humanity's taster, I guess, to make sure it's all right. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. I'll probably come down with the alien banana flu. <laughs> 
But welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we don't take any actual trips out into the universe, but a mental journey through all the amazing questions and discoveries, all the things science has figured out and the things that science is still working on. We think that curiosity belongs to everybody and that your questions are as fascinating and as important as those that scientists are working on right now. Yeah, because it is a huge universe out there with a lot of places to explore and a lot of things to discover. And a big question is, how do we fit into all of this? What is our place in the universe and how do we fit into this giant cosmic ballet of stars and galaxies and dust. And it's sort of an extension of exploration that humans have been doing basically forever. Since we wondered what was over that hill, what's past that mountain, what's over that ocean. And modern day explorers might wonder like, well, is there anything left for me to look for? Thanks to Google Earth and satellite technology, we basically know where all the mountains are and all the little islands you can name after your chihuahua. But it turns out there's a lot of exploration left to do. Yeah. Is there an equivalent of Google Universe? (laughs) Google, get on it. Not yet. It's mostly a big question mark. (laughs) But you can look at maps of our cosmic neighborhood to see what's around us and what's nearby. Mm. If you just Google large scale structures of the universe. Wow. Does it tell you how much each galaxy is worth? (laughs) Can you figure out the, the per square light year value? You know, even just our solar system is worth like a gazillion dollars because of all the platinum and gold and stuff that you can find in asteroids. Oh, wow. So it's basically just infinite. Wow. Well, we are still learning about the basics of where we are in the universe and what's kind of around us. And so a big question is, you know, what can we find? What interesting things are there in our very own neighborhood here in the universe? And it's not something that we can easily explore in person. In the old days of exploration, you would hop in a ship and you would land on foreign shores and you would wonder who else was living there and what kind of fruits did they enjoy? But these days, it's not so easy. The distances are vast. The technology is still so primitive. But we have other ways of exploring the universe. You mean we don't have those warp drives and teleportation devices yet? Well, you know, I sent them to the Daniel and Jorge engineering department, so I'm just waiting for the prototype to come back. (laughs) I'll ask the engineer in our team here. But yeah, you're right. It, it is kind of interesting that we have to explore the universe from here, from Earth, using telescopes. We can't actually like go out that far because some of the things that we can see are hundreds or millions of light years away. Like the pretty much we might never see them in person. That's right. Most of these things we will never see in person. And most of these things that we're looking at, they don't exist right now the way that we are seeing them, right? We are seeing old light that comes to us from them. So what's actually happening now out there is not what we are seeing. Mm, Yeah. So astronomers are out there looking and exploring and checking out what's around us. And recently there's been an incredible discovery just this past summer. Astronomers discovered a whole new thing pretty close to our corner of the universe here. And it's huge. It's basically the biggest thing anybody has ever found. And it's shockingly large and shockingly close. It's basically a literal mind exploder. (laughs) So today on the podcast, we'll be asking the question. What is the South Pole Wall? And why did they give it such a ridiculous name? South, but yeah, it's a little confusing because is it a pole or is it a wall? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> is it a wall of poles? Is it a wall around the South Pole? I guess it's south, but south <laughs> relative to who? Well, you have a very northern bias, right? You tend to view the earth as up, north as up. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe that gives you a clue. I was born in the equator, so Daniel, I'm pretty agnostic, <laughs> I think. Maybe this time you can rag on astrophysicists and how they name things. And us particle physicists can get a break for a week. <laughs> for once. Yeah. And also, who's paying for this wall, Daniel? <laughs> The aliens are definitely paying for the wall. <laughs> yeah, the, with the tariffs. But yeah, so they discovered something huge and enormous. I mean, it's, like you said, it's the biggest thing pretty much ever discovered. Is that true? Yeah, it's in the top five biggest things we know about in the universe. And of the top five, it's the closest one. So it's really kind of amazing that we haven't seen this before, that we didn't even know about it before. It really, it makes me feel like, you know, cartographers in the 1500s drawing maps of the earth and like leaving out America. You know, like, how could they be so ignorant of like an enormous continent that's <laughs> honestly not that far away? It'd be like discovering a whole wall of poles in your backyard and you're like, <laughs> where'd that come from? That's right. I didn't order this online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a new discovery. It's huge. It's very close. But we're wondering how many people out there know about this South Pole wall and whether it was discovered recently. So as usual, Daniel went out there and asked people on the internet if they knew what is the South Pole Wall. So thanks to everybody who volunteered to share their baseless and uninformed speculation with us for our podcast. And if you would like to be a victim for a future podcast to share your unprepared thoughts on difficult questions in physics, please write to us to questions at danielandjorge.com. Think about it for a second. Do you know what the South Pole Wall is? Here's what people had to say. Does that have something to do with flat earther theory? It's a wall, a man-made wall built around South Pole to stop um, animals or intruders from coming in as a way to preserve the South Pole. Maybe it's uh, some sort of electromagnetic barrier, not just an obvious structure. <laughs> something to do with uh, like a, a magnetic, like the Earth's magnetic field, some sort of barrier for particles in the sun from the sun maybe it's related somehow to the like aurora borealis and the southern lights the south pole wall is a ice fault formation that is incredibly difficult to traverse on foot or sled or with dogs I have no idea. I am guessing that it is a wall, either physical or metaphorical, located in the South Pole. The first thing that comes into mind is a big wall of ice in the South Pole, like the one from Game of Thrones. I'm not sure, but I believe uh, there are some, uh, I don't know if they're called caverns or cliffs or something like that, but I believe there's some uh, impediment in our way to get to the uh, to travel freely to the South Pole where the uh, ice is. All right. Uh, it sounds like nobody knew. <laughs> well, I think this is a real commentary on the name of this thing. Right. Because everybody keyed in on South Pole. Mm, and wall, right? <laughs> and I, li I like how somebody said it was like Game of Thrones. Although that wall was in the north. That's right. Maybe yeah. it's the equivalent. Maybe it's for like the penguin zombies. Well, we physicists, we do like having symmetry in the universe. So if there's going to be a wall in the north, there should be a wall in the south. Because otherwise you got to ask why? <laughs> What's special about north, right? Mm. 
Yeah, winter is coming. <laughs> is there another version of our universe out there in the multiverse in which summer is coming? <laughs> well, technically, if it's the South Pole wall, it would come in our summer. <laughs> That's true. Which is winter for them. Yeah. Mm. The beauty and power mm. of symmetry once again displayed. But I guess maybe the takeaway here is that not a lot of people had heard of it, which means it didn't make the news that much, maybe. That's right. And most of our listeners are pretty up on the cosmic news here. Yeah, I think it just didn't fall into people's brains. Mm. It's an incredible discovery. It's something that's fascinating. It's something that tells us about where we live in the universe, but it doesn't really actually change your day-to-day life. So maybe people just heard about it and filed it away, but... Honestly, I think we should pin most of the blame on the name of this thing. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, I can't disagree with you more, Daniel, <laughs> about the naming of things. Finally, we're agreeing about how to name things. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's not keep people in suspense here. So what is the South Pole Wall, Daniel, and when was it discovered? So the South Pole Wall is an incredibly huge an immensely vast, gargantuan wall of galaxies. Mm. Remember that galaxies are not just sprinkled everywhere through space. Our Earth goes around our sun, which is the core of our solar system, which is one of many solar systems in our galaxy. But those galaxies are not just everywhere in space sprinkled randomly. They tend to Mm. clump together into clusters of galaxies. And those clusters of galaxies form structures we call superclusters. And then those superclusters are not just sprinkled everywhere. They tend to form these enormous structures, these walls, these filaments, these sheets that surround incredible voids in which there are no stars, no galaxies, no planets, no people, no podcasts. Mm, Yeah, it's weird to think of space being not random. You know what I mean? Like we're used to looking at the night sky and seeing stars kind of sprinkled kind of randomly and evenly. But actually... The universe has a lot of structure, like it has a lot of things in it, like everything's kind of organized in a way. That's right. Things are organized and it's gravity that's doing the organizing. Gravity is very gently, but very gradually pulling things together and clumping them. Right. And it's kind of incredible that gravity is a thing doing this job because of all the forces we are aware of, the strong force, the weak force, electromagnetism, gravity, gravity is the weakest and not by a, a little bit, but like by tens of orders of magnitude. But it's also the only one that can't be like balanced out. Electromagnetism can be neutralized with positive and negative forces, but gravity always pulls. It can't push. So eventually everything else gets balanced out. It's just gravity left over to sweep stuff together into stars and planets and galaxies and superclusters. And then these incredibly immense voids and walls and filaments. And that's essentially where the exploration is today, is figuring out like, where is our cluster and our supercluster in this larger structure? What's around us? Right, yeah. And what's kind of cool too is that these giant, you know, super ginormous structures, they're all kind of evidence of the quantum fluctuations, right? At the very beginning of the universe, right? There's sort of like the the wrinkles or the fingerprints of quantum randomness and structure that was in the early universe. That's exactly right. Gravity has essentially just exaggerated initial little over densities. If you had only gravity and the universe was totally smooth, you wouldn't get any sort of structure at all because gravity would pull equally on everything in all directions. and You wouldn't get any clumping. You need some sort of initial clumping to get things started and form this runaway effect 
where gravity makes things heavier and then pulls harder and then makes things heavier, which pulls harder. Right. And you're right that in the very beginning, what this comes from are little tiny quantum fluctuations in the very first moments of the universe. And basically everything's been derivative from that. It's like we had one idea very early on, sketched a doodle, and everything else is just derived from that. Yeah. And it's amazing to think that you can go from like a quantum fluctuation to something that's huge. It's sort of like, you know, like a little baby scar that you had as a baby, you still have it as an adult. And let's give people a sense for like how big we're talking about. These structures are like billions of light years wide. Like these are not little things. There's not like one galaxy, wow. two galaxies. And remember, each galaxy already is an incredibly enormous thing. But we're talking about bubbles and sheets that are billions of light years on a side. And that all comes from tiny quantum fluctuations expanded rapidly during inflation. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, I guess like one galaxy is 100,000 light years. And so if you put uh, like thousands of them together, then it's literally billions of light years. It's billions of light years. Meaning if you're going at the speed of light, it still takes you a billion years to go from one side to the other. <laughs> and so you can imagine the whole universe is sort of like a big pile of bubbles, like a big quantum foam that was inflated from the early universe to this incredibly vast quantum foam. And we've recently discovered that we're essentially living on the edge of one of those bubbles. And we're now looking mm. around us. We're like, oh, look, there's a bubble over there. There's a bubble over there. Mm. But we're really just beginning to map the universe to understand what is our cosmic neighborhood. We're seeing edges of bubbles here and bubbles merging over there. And so it's like it's early days, you know, we've only just begun to explore. Mm. Yeah. And so tell me about this wall that we just found this wall, the South Pole wall, uh, you said it's ginormous. When you say ginormous, is that the technical term or is there a, <laughs> a number associated? Uh, the technical term actually is hugeungus, <laughs> but this one is a billion and a half light years wide, right? So what? you shoot a photon, you press a button on your laser on one side of the thing, you wait a billion and a half years before it crosses to the other side. And that's what? only the part of it that we've seen so far. It could go on more. Yeah, astronomers are not even sure that we've seen all of it. Wow. So it's a structure of galaxies, basically, right? It's not like a row of stars. It's like a row of galaxies. And they're all sort of like sprinkled in a wall or, or what's going on? That's right. It's actually a row of clusters of galaxies. Uh, clusters of galaxies are grouped together. They're gravitationally bound. There is enough gravity between galaxies to sort of hold them together into objects. That's why we call them a cluster. We don't just like artificially draw a line and say, this is a cluster, that's a cluster. We look for things that are holding themselves together gravitationally. Mm. So this is a wall of clusters of galaxies. And we call it a wall because it's much wider and longer than it is thick. Sort of like our galaxy, right? Our galaxy is flat. It's like 100,000 light years across and 1,000 light years thick. And these things have sort of similar dimensions. They're much, much wider and longer than they are thick. So we call them a wall. Mm. Now, do you call them, do you group them together because they're close to each other or because they're actually kind of gravitationally affecting each other or bound together? They are gravitationally holding themselves together. Remember that the whole universe is expanding. Everything is moving away from everything else. That's because space between objects is getting bigger. We don't understand it. It's this thing called dark energy that's just inflating all of space and increasing the distances between everything. But if stuff is near enough to each other and has enough mass, it can resist that. 
it can be gravitationally bound, like our solar system. Mm. Dark energy is increasing the space between the Earth and the sun, but gravity of the sun holds the Earth in place so that distance doesn't change. Mm. So our solar system is gravitationally bound. Our galaxy is gravitationally bound. It's small enough and compact enough that on that scale, gravity wins. And that's true also on the scale of clusters. And it's sort of true on the scale of super clusters clusters of clusters. People argue about whether they're actually gravitationally bound. Are they going to hold together in the long-term future of the universe? Or is dark energy going to win and tear them apart? Um, That's sort of on the edge. Right. Because I guess if expansion is fast enough or big enough, it would even rip our solar system. But I guess we're, we're lucky that it's not. That's right. We're lucky that it's not. But we're living in a fascinating moment in the universe where gravity has had time to build galaxies and clusters. And now super clusters have sort of formed and maybe gravitationally bound. But it's not clear if gravity will have time to build those together and really hold them together and then build super duper clusters or whether dark energy will tear them apart. So we're living at this fascinating moment in the history of the universe. That's why there is a maximum size to an object in the universe, because any bigger than that, gravity hasn't had time to sort of pull it together. Mm. And so we're really looking at the biggest things in the universe. It's sort of incredible. All right. So we found this giant wall. And so a big question I have is how did we find it? And why didn't we see this earlier if it's so big? So let's get into that. But first, let's take a quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place, full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, 
How have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile, and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months a premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, Daniel, we're talking about the South Pole Wall, which is, I guess, is that where the anti-Santa Claus lives? <laughs> is that the fence that it put around its uh, elf village? <laughs> That's right. It's his first line of defense against folks coming <laughs> yeah. to try to steal their Christmas presents early. Right. He's not as, uh, or she's not as jolly as the North Pole Santa Claus. No, there's South Pole boiling oil and there's archery and there's all sorts of stuff. <laughs> just just leave them alone. <laughs> uh, but anyways, they had found this summer a giant wall of galaxies called the South Pole Wall. And it's huge. It's one and a half billion light years wide. And Daniel, this seems like a, a big thing that we, we should have seen earlier, but we didn't. So I guess, what's the history of finding this? How did we find it? And why didn't we see it before? We didn't see it before because it's not easy to spot. We can't actually see it very well because there's something in the way. And that's the rest of our galaxy. If you look out into the sky, mostly you're seeing stars. And those stars are other stars in our galaxy. But remember, the galaxy is much wider than it is thick. So in most directions, you're looking out through a little bit of our galaxy and then out into deep space where you can see other galaxies and stuff. But if you look in just the right direction, then you're looking through the galaxy. And on a really dark night, you can see this. You can see the Milky Way, mm. which is the plane of the rest of the galaxy. And it looks much brighter and sort of more smeared out than individual stars because it's a huge number of stars that are further away. They're on the other side of the Milky Way. And so they sort of add up to this milky spread. Yeah. And it's hard to see things on the other side of this plane of the Milky Way because there are so many stars and gas and dust in our way. Oh, yeah, we're in the way of our view, kind of, kind of like the back of your head. Yeah, the rest of the galaxy. And so they called it the South Pole Wall because if you're standing on Earth, it's sort of in the direction that the South Pole points. Mm. That is the South Pole of Earth sort of points towards the center of the galaxy. Not exactly, but, you know, close enough. Mm. Close enough for astronomical naming committees, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it is pretty amazing to think that we can see the Milky Way, right? I mean, it looks like a fuzzy cloud, but it really, it's like millions of stars kind of all kind of joining their light together and, and causing this glow. Yeah, it's billions of stars, right? The Milky Way has more than 100 billion stars in it. And the center of the Milky Way is where most of them are. And there's also a lot of gas and dust. So it's just very difficult to see through the center of the Milky Way. Astronomers call this whole region of the sky the zone of avoidance. <laughs> it sounds like something from a video game, but it basically means 
look somewhere else because this part is hard. Right. Don't look here. You're not going to be able to see much. Yeah. And so we can't actually see most of the South Pole wall in the visible light. We can't just like look at it and say, oh, there's a galaxy, there's a galaxy, there's a galaxy. Otherwise, we would have spotted it earlier. Mm. You know, it was like in the 1980s, people started to understand that we could make a huge 3D map of our universe and that it had interesting things to look at. Right. And that's when we discovered the first of these voids and walls. Right. And so now it's, you know, 40 years later, we're finally figuring out one of the biggest structures was hiding right behind the bulge of the Milky Way. Wow. It is sort of fascinating that, you know, from our little point on Earth, just sitting in this spherical ball and looking out at the stars, we can get a 3D view of things. Right, because when you look at the night sky, it looks kind of like 2D, like all the stars are painted on the ceiling. But somehow we were able to get a 3D view of what's going on out there to the point where, you know, we can make out these super clustered structures. Yeah, it's incredible because, of course, you're right. We do see a 2D image, right? We can't resolve distance. We don't know necessarily how far a star is. And there's ambiguity there when you look at one individual star you don't know, is it super bright but very far away or not that bright and kind of close up? Mm -hmm. So for a long time, that was a big puzzle in astronomy is how to measure the distance to stars. We had a whole fun podcast episode just on that topic. And it turns out that it depends on how far away it is. If it's really close by, you can use the equivalent of sort of like opening one eye and closing the other one and seeing how the image changes mm -hmm. to see how far away it is as the Earth goes around the sun, you get two images of the star. And if it's further away, you have to rely on these super clever little stars, these variable stars whose brightness is connected to how fast they pulse. Mm -hmm. And then if they're really far away, then you have to use type 1a supernova, which is sort of a standard candle. We know how bright they are because the physics constrains them to only be a certain brightness. And so we can tell how far away they are. Mm. So we have this sort of cosmic distance ladder, but that only works for things we can see. Yeah, so the Milky Way is kind of standing in the way of a huge part of our field of view. It's blocking it. But somehow we were able to see through this to find this South Pole wall. So how do we look through the Milky Way? Well, again, the answer is gravity. Gravity is like the most important thing astronomically. It basically controls the whole universe. And in this case, what we did is we measured how fast some galaxies were moving and in what direction to make a sort of cosmic map of the flow of galaxies. Mm -hmm. And then we use that to figure out like, well, where is their stuff? because gravity affects how things move. Mm -hmm. So we started from understanding how galaxies are flowing, and then we looked for sort of like blobs, like discontinuities, like, oh, everything is clustering over here, there must be something there, or these guys are flowing faster than we expected, so they must be pulled on by something. From the velocity of galaxies, you can infer where the mass is. Oh, but wait, are, are galaxies moving that fast that we as humans in, in such a short period of time can tell if they're moving? Because like if I look at the stars, they don't look like they're moving. That's right. We are not watching galaxies move and like clocking them. It's not like Usain Bolt where we measure a distance and measure a time and then use that to measure the velocity. Mm. Instead, we're looking at the light from those stars and we're seeing how the light from the stars is shifted in frequency. Because like the Doppler effect, if something is moving away from you, then light from it will get shifted to longer wavelengths. It gets stretched out. Mm. If something is moving towards you, light from it will get shifted to shorter wavelengths. It gets blue shifted. 
And so we can measure the light from these stars and we can see, has it been shifted away from what we expect? Because we, we know what the light from these stars, from these galaxies should look like because stars around the universe are all the same. They emit from hydrogen and from sodium in various lines. Mm -hmm. We can see those lines get shifted so we can measure the velocity of all of these galaxies. So we have this huge catalog of thousands of thousands of galaxies and we know in which direction they're moving. Well, but wait, I thought the, the shifting of light only works if it's moving away or towards you. How do you tell if it's moving to the right or to the left or up or down? That's true. The redshift and blue shift measures the velocity along a line from us to them. It's sort of the radial velocity. Mm -hmm. And so you have to use other tricks to try to sort of guess and construct from the motion of all the galaxies nearby what the sort of 3D map is. But you're right. We don't really know a lot about the sort of transverse motion of these galaxies. Oh, so everything we know is, is just from that velocity towards or away from us. That's right. And we're, we're sort of guessing about everything else? Not 100% guessing. You can see these things moving over short periods of time. Mm. So you have some idea, but they are really far away. So it's very difficult to measure those distances. Mm. And also, how do we know where they are, how far away they are? Don't we need like a supernova to happen in them before we know? Or do we have supernova from each of those thousands of galaxies? We have supernova that go out really, really far. That's the nice thing about type 1a supernova is they're, they're super bright and they're basically in every galaxy. But we don't have one. We haven't seen one necessarily in every galaxy, but we have ideas for where other things are so we can place them sort of in a ladder. And we have the most information about the closest things. And so that's why we're starting to map the structure of the universe and we're beginning from the nearby neighborhood. Mm. That's where we can see, for example, still cephids in some of these galaxies and type 1a supernova. We definitely have the most information about the local neighborhood. Mm. All right. So then step us through, how do we find the South Pole wall? Did we, you know, gain some sort of new trick to look through the Milky Way or we just got better at it and suddenly it popped up? It's just sort of like being careful and finally analyzing the hard bit of the data. You know, if you're doing science, you get a bunch of data. And the first thing you do is you eat the ice cream off the top, right? You say, oh, here's the easy question to answer. The most exciting one, you do that. And people have found cool stuff. They found the Sloan Great Wall, which is as big as the South Pole Wall, but it's further away and it's mm. easier to spot. So they found other structures, but then people started to get more comprehensive about their search. And so they looked through sort of some gaps and they noticed there was a gap in our cosmic neighborhood where we didn't understand what was going on. That's because it was behind this zone of avoidance. So they decided to look like, well, what is there? And they combined data from a bunch of different surveys, Sloan Digital Sky Survey and lots of other surveys to make one sort of mega database of all the galaxies called Cosmic Flows. And so they analyzed this hard bit and they noticed that galaxies between us and this region were moving away from us faster than you would expect from just dark energy. Mm. And the galaxies past this region were moving away from us more slowly than you would expect. Wait. And so that uh, suggests right there that there's some like big blob of something. Moving together. There's some gravity there holding it together, pulling on galaxies between us and this blob and slowing down galaxies that are past the blob. Mm. We saw like this giant... Like if you're looking at it on, the, on a radar, you would see like a, like a flock of birds kind of all moving together away from us. Yeah, exactly. So you put together where all these galaxies are and how fast they're moving away from us. And the only way to explain the velocities of these galaxies, they call this peculiar velocity, velocity 
other than the velocity of the expansion of the universe. Peculiar. The only way to explain this peculiar velocity. Such yeah, a quaint term. Peculiar as in like local, you know, like as in our velocity and not somebody else's. Oh. They, they didn't want to go with weird or... <laughs> or local velocity or something. <laughs> anyway, the only way to explain this peculiar velocity is to say, well, there must be something big there, some new source of gravity. Oh. And this is not the first time that we've used gravity to deduce the presence of something. Remember our podcast episode about the great attractor? Right. That's some other like incredible source of gravity that's similarly tugging on stuff and changing the peculiar velocities so we know that there must be something there. Wow. All right, so we saw something big out there, um, but we... Can we see it directly? Like, can we see the glow from it? Or we can only see the gravity of it? We can only see the gravity from most of it. Little bits of it sort of peek out the sides of the zone of avoidance. Then you can spot it. Mm -hmm. And then they actually went back through old surveys to say, shouldn't we have seen this before? And it turns out that you can see sort of edges of it in previous astronomical surveys. And so wow. people have been sort of like known to look for it, have been paying more attention. They could have discovered this like 10, 20 years ago. Really? Yeah. They saw like the edges of it. The edges of it sort of peek out past the zone of avoidance. Man. The bulk of it, though, is basically invisible to us in terms of electromagnetic radiation. Like we can't see it via radio waves or infrared or anything because it has to pass through the galaxy. So it's only gravitational information that we have about most of it. But that's pretty good. Like if you look up this paper, wow. they have a pretty good 3D map of the density of this thing that shows you like where the galaxies are and where they aren't. It's a fascinating structure. All right, let's get into the shape of this South Pole wall and why it's important that we found it. But first, let's take another quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place, full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. 
We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. All right, Daniel, we're, we're talking about the wall south, <laughs> the southern wall that the first man built or the first aliens built, I guess, to keep out the alien zombies. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We found a giant galactic structure or a structure of galaxies kind of pointing. If you look south of the Earth towards the South Pole and keep going past the Milky Way out there in space, and it's huge. It's one and a half billion light years wide. And what does it look like, Daniel? Is it like literally a wall or like a sheet or just like a giant uh, lump? This looks like a giant cosmic banana. <laughs> You're just saying that, Daniel. I'm not just saying that. It really does look like a huge banana. What, what do you mean? Like, it, like it's curved? If you look at this thing from the paper, it's sort of long and narrow. And it even has like a little thing sticking mm -hmm. up at the top that could be like, you know, where it was peeled off the giant cosmic banana tree. Oh, man. So are you, are you saying it looks delicious is what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying you got to be hungry to eat this thing as well. It's huge. <laughs> and it has a lot of potassium. A lot. I'm not joking that it looks like a banana, but you know, it's sort of like staring at clouds. You can see whatever shape you want. And so I guess I just had bananas on the brain. Mm. In my mind, it's not as much of a wall as it is sort of like a vast tube, but it's definitely big. Mm. And it's incredible because wow. it's it's also telling us not just where the stuff is that we can see, where the galaxies and the stars and maybe the aliens and their bananas are, is also a map of the dark matter. What? What do you mean? Well, remember that stuff in the universe is not sprinkled out randomly, right? It's clumped together based on the gravitational overdensities from the early universe. But most of the stuff in the universe is not the kind of stuff that we can see. It's dark matter. There's five times as much invisible, mysterious matter that's affected by gravity as the kind of matter that we're familiar with. And the kinds of matter that we can see tend to line up with the dark matter. Both of them are affected by gravity and they pull on each other. So actually, when you look at stars in the sky, they're telling you where the dark matter is because dark matter mm. has created these like gravitational wells for stars and galaxies to fall into and to form. So the light matter, the normal matter, is sort of like lights showing you where the dark matter is. Mm. I mean, but we think, right? Like you're assuming that where there are stars, there is dark matter. I mean, you're assuming like it's the same kind of concentration or, or ratio between dark matter and regular matter as we have. Yes. And that's something that we've seen. We've measured in lots of different galaxies. And we see some variation there. There are some galaxies with more dark matter or less dark matter. And we don't fully understand that at all. But roughly, we can say that there's a five to one relationship between dark matter and normal matter. Mm. And certainly on distances this large, enormous, super cluster sized structures, we expect the dark matter to have formed these structures. Like they just would not have formed without the dark matter. Wow. You run a simulation of the universe without the dark matter, you just don't get structures like this this early in the universe. I feel like you're almost telling me that the 
you know, basically most of the universe is dark matter and it's clumping and doing mm-hmm. its own thing. And really mm-hmm. the stars, the bright stuff, us, we're really just kind of like the bling, you know, <laughs> like we're just here to, to tell everyone where the dark matter is. Yeah, we're like those birds that ride on the back of rhinoceroses and sort of like pick the worms off of them. <laughs> yeah. That's us. Yeah, I mean, call us the bling, <laughs> call us the worm-eating birds, whatever you like. Uh, we're the frosting on the cupcake. Yeah, kind of, right? I mean, when you when you talk about the, the structure of the universe, it really, the dark matter structure. We're just hanging on. Yeah, we call it normal matter because we're used to it, but it's actually pretty unusual in the universe. It's just 5% of the energy in the universe is devoted to making me and you and cosmic bananas. So that's why it's fascinating to sort of use this light matter, this luminous matter to tell us what's actually going on in the universe. And gravity is really the key there. It tells us where the dark matter is. It's also telling us about the balance between the dark matter holding stuff together and dark energy trying to tear it apart. Right. Except that here we can't actually see the galaxies and the stars and the light, right? Like we can only see the gravity, which means maybe this whole wall is just a giant wall of dark matter. We don't really know, right? (laughs) That's true. We don't really know. Although on the bits of it that we do see, the edges of the banana that stick out past the zone of avoidance, Mm. we can see luminous stars there. So it would be pretty weird to find a massive dark matter wall, but that would be pretty awesome. And give us a sense of how big this thing is. Like how many galaxies are in this giant wall or like how many stars? Do you have a sense? It's trillions and trillions of stars. You know, it's thousands and thousands of galaxies and each galaxy has billions of stars and we don't know how big this thing is the thing that's incredible to me is that before we discovered this we had sort of a gap in our understanding of the cosmic neighborhood right around this spot right and people like well we don't know what's there probably nothing interesting and then they found this great wall and it's basically completely fills that gap you know it's like it couldn't have been any bigger You know, there's like a little spot you haven't checked and you open up the door and it turns out it's totally full of stuff. (laughs) We have this giant gap that looks like a banana, but we don't know what's inside. (laughs) Oh, wait, it is a giant banana. (laughs) It's a giant banana. And, you know, it's really important that we understand the shape of the universe around us. It really is telling us about how the universe was formed because it tells us about how this structure is made and is telling us about the future of the universe. It's telling us, is dark matter going to win and hold this stuff together? Is dark energy going to win and tear this stuff apart? You know, we think about this stuff on really long timescales, billions of years, but it's really sort of frothing and dynamical. This is sort of like if you watch froth forming or water boiling, Mm. but you just watch the first like two milliseconds of the movie. We're basically two milliseconds into the movie of the universe of this frothing, bubbling boil, trying to understand the forces at play. Wow. You mean like we don't know who's going to win at the end, but we're still figuring that out, looking at the things around us. Yeah, well, we know that dark energy, if it continues as it has been, is going to eventually tear things apart. But we don't know where those fractures are going to happen exactly. Like how much will gravity get to clump together to form structures that will be impervious to dark energy, and then dark energy will just increase the distance between them. Mm -hmm. How big will those objects be? We don't really know. It depends sort of delicately on how much dark matter and how much dark energy there is. You mean like, well, the universe is expanding, but the stuff in it could hold together, potentially. The stuff in it probably will hold together. Our galaxy will hold together. Our cluster of galaxies probably will hold together. 
Will our supercluster survive or be torn apart by dark energy? We don't really know. Will these walls and filaments be pulled apart? Are they even gravitationally held together today or are they just sort of near each other? These are the questions we don't know the answer to. It's like a cosmic battle between the two greatest forces in the universe. And we're basically right in the middle of it. We're just here on the back of the rhinoceros picking worms. (laughs) Looking at it like eating popcorn, but instead of popcorn, it's worms. That's right. Hey, look, this worm looks like a banana. (laughs) All right. Well, it's pretty amazing that we are still discovering things that are that big. Like, you know, if I look at into the sky, how big is this giant wall, Daniel? Is it like a like an inch or like a centimeter or like a whole foot? As a fraction of the night sky, if you held, I think, a banana at arm's length, it's about that big. (laughs) No, that's too much of a coincidence, Daniel. It goes from the constellation Perseus in the northern hemisphere to the constellation Apus, I can't pronounce this one, in the far south. Mm. So it is really pretty big. Wow. And the incredible thing is that it's twice as close as the Sloan Great Wall, right? The Sloan Great Wall, just as big, discovered decades ago. This thing is twice as close, which should make it more obvious. Wow. But, you know, there's just so much we still don't know about the pretty local, large-scale structure in sort of the grand scheme of things in our neighborhood. Wow, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's almost like we're... You know, explorers, only a thousand years ago, we didn't know that America was there or, you know, Australia was there probably. I know. How many incredible opportunities were there to discover things? You just had to hop in a boat and sail for a few days. If you had known where to look, discovery is easy. And that's the situation we're in today. We're looking around us and we just don't know what's out there. There could be incredible, mind-blowing surprises if we just look a little further or look in the places that have been hard to look at so far. There are definitely surprises out there. And then remember, we've only mapped a tiny little dot of the universe. When we talk about like our solar system being a tiny fraction of the Milky Way, which is a tiny fraction of our cluster. If you look out even further, it just goes on and on and on. And what we've mapped is a tiny fraction of just the observable universe. So most of it is a huge cosmic question mark. It could be maybe an infinite question mark. It could be an infinite question mark. And it could be that we just have sort of bubbles and walls and voids that go on forever. But it could also be that once you get a sense of those bubbles and voids that you see a larger pattern. Mm. And that could tell you something about the early universe and this quantum foam that generated all of this structure. Or it could be that at that level, it's mostly random. We just don't know the answer. Like, that's a pretty big question right. to not know yeah. the answer to. And maybe once we figure out our address, we can finally get those deliveries <laughs> from the Amazon aliens. That's right. And I want them in 30 minutes by drone from across the universe. <laughs> Same century delivery. <laughs> I'll pay extra for that. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that and you got a little bit of a better sense of where we are in the universe and what's out there for us to discover. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening. And remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, 
fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.